collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! My master is good. Where are my squirrel people at? Yeah, I, I, see, I see those hands. You know who you are. You get distracted by the shiny object. You get distracted by butterflies, nearby conversations, the shiny thing. You're like focusing on something and all of a sudden you're like, squirrel! Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone in a busy coffee shop and in that coffee shop there's a loud talker? You know the people I'm talking about. They, it, the place is packed. It's loud in there anyway. But their voice, like if everybody, if the, if the noise in the coffee house is like this, their voice is this much louder. And for some reason, it just carries from the front to the back. I struggle. I could be meeting with someone. It could be, you know, like a deep, intense conversation. And I'm like, I feel like on probably not on the outside, but on the inside, I'm sweating bullets because I'm, I'm trying to focus so hard because all I can hear is this other person loud talking over everyone else. It's distracting. When my kids were little, like little, little, maybe, you know, eight and five, they'd be having a disagreement. And the disagreement, the argument, if you will, the fight, if you will, would be happening on the other end of the house, as far away from me as you could possibly be. Like, literally, I could be on the upper level, they could be in the basement, right? Or they could be on the one corner of the house, I could be on the other corner. And Renee and I are talking, we're just spending some time together, and all of a sudden, I'm distracted because I'm a fixer, and I'm a problem solver. And so, I'm, like, I, have, I have no chill in that moment. Zero chill. Because I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to the back of the room, I'm going to go to the back of the house of the basement, and I'm going to fix the problem, and I'm going to solve the argument, and it's, it's, I'm going to finish it. Because I'm also a finisher. I'm finishing it. Completely distracted. I need quiet when I study for sermons, or if I'm reading, or if I'm writing. I just get distracted by noise and conversations. I've got... Um, noise-canceling uh, AirPods that I make great use out of. There's, there's times when I'm like, I'm at home and I'm working on a message and the next thing you know, um, like Renee's there and she's doing something and then Faith comes into the room and then the TV comes on and, and Gilmore Girls comes on because it's like her favorite show and the next thing you know, Renee and Faith are in a conversation and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm dying right now. Where are my AirPods? You put them in, turn music on, noise-canceling. It's like I'm, 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 I'm all alone and you know, uh, I can just focus. All that to say, we are in Nehemiah chapter 6. How many of you guys have actually read through the book of Nehemiah? How many of you guys have read through it since we started the series? Okay, I would encourage you, like there's no, no, um, um, no guilt or anything like that, but I would encourage you to read through the book of Nehemiah as we're walking through it. And that way, it's just going to help you connect all the, all the dots, like, you know, front, front to back. Because you're getting it, like, one week at a time, little bits here and there. And there's so much stuff in here that we're not catching at all. We're just kind of grabbing the things that we feel like God is saying to us today, for this season, for where we are. And Nehemiah chapter 6, the focus here is all about distractions. Which, funny enough, um, today, leading up to this moment, leading up to the beginning of service... I was about as distracted as I have ever been. I felt like there was a million things going on, 
And, and then I'm like, okay, I, like, I just have to get to the prayer room. So I'm in the prayer room and we're praying. And then I realized that my PowerPoint presentation, email failed. I emailed it. It didn't get there. So I run out of the prayer room. I email it again. I go back to the prayer room. It doesn't get there. I run back to my office. And I'm like, I am all over the I am as distracted as I could possibly be. Nehemiah chapter 6, all about distractions. Let's look at verse number uh, 1 through 4. It says, Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, uh, and Gershom, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, and there was no breach left in it. So the wall was completed. There was no holes left in it. Although at that time, he said, I have not set up the doors and the gates. So the wall is completed, but there's no doors and no gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent word to me, saying, Come, let us meet together in the plain of Ono. Everybody say, Oh no. <laughs> but they were planning to harm me. Oh no. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Why should I stop? Why should the work stop while I leave to come down to meet with you? They sent word to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same way each time. If the enemy cannot defeat you, he will distract you. See, in chapter 4, when I spoke last time, we read about how the enemy was coming to defeat the builders of the wall. Nehemiah and his friends, the enemy was coming to defeat them. And so they started to work with a sword in one hand, and they were building bricks with the other hand, with their armor on, and the work continued. But they were prepared for a fight. The enemy realized that they could not defeat them, and so the tactic changed, and now the enemy is trying to distract them. They want Nehemiah to attend a meeting, but not just any meeting. This is the ultimate, sit through this meeting, I feel like I'm going to die before the end of this meeting. Has anybody ever sat through one of those meetings where you're sitting there and being like, I am so bored right now, I don't know if I'm going to live to the end. Or, have you ever sat through a meeting that could have been an email? Show that. High five for you if you sat through a meeting that could have been an email because there's many meetings that should not be happening and they could just be an email. My staff, you're amening a little too loud, Renee. I know when my meetings are, are getting long or boring, I just have to watch Renee. No joke. I know, okay, it's time to wrap up the meeting. We're not done, but we're done. And so... Amen. We'll catch you guys all next time. She's like my barometer for how bad my meetings are. If I lose Renee, I'm like, it's done. Like, I'm going to lose everybody else in a minute. Attend, so listen, seriously though, do not get distracted by meetings. You can be meetinged to death. Attending meetings that you do not need to be a part of because they have nothing to do with the assignment or the call of God on your life. It sometimes feels nice to be included and invited to meetings because it makes us feel important. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm part of the inner circle, so to speak. If the meeting has nothing to do with your calling or your assignment, you don't need to be there because you can get meetinged to death. And that is a distraction from your assignment. Do not get distracted away from what God has called you to do. Nehemiah recognizes that they don't want to meet him. They want him to meet his maker. They were going to do him harm. 
And his response shows the value that he placed on the assignment that he was doing, that God had given him. He says, I am doing a great work and cannot come. Your assignment is a great work. Do not get distracted away from it. Listen, we are rebuilding the walls of Crosspoint. We are doing a great work here. And we are moving in the direction of our mandate or our mission, if you will. And if you're not familiar with it, this is what it is. Connecting people to their purpose, impacting communities with hope. This is our assignment as a church family to help people discover their God-given purpose, their God-given destiny and their dreams, and then empower them to walk that out. And to walk it out and to bring hope to the, to the hope of Jesus to the people around them as they walk out their destiny and their dreams and their purpose. Everything that we do as a church must be looked at through that filter. If it doesn't line up with the mandate and the mission and the assignment, then respectfully we are going to decline or else it's just going to become a distraction we will not be a church family that does everything because then we're not being effective and essentially we're not doing anything. The same is true for you. What has God called you to do? What is your assignment? What is your calling? What is your purpose? What is your dream, your God-given destiny? If you don't know, and maybe you've never thought about, seriously, like, what, why am I here and what am I supposed to do, God? They begin to ask. He will show you. He will reveal it. It's buried deep in the inside of you. But if you know your assignment, you know your calling, then you need to filter the things that you're doing in your life through that. And if you're doing things that are not towards your assignment and your calling, then you need to back away because you're simply just getting distracted from what God would have for you to do. Let nothing distract you from your assignment. Say this with me. I am doing a great work and cannot come. This is the most liberating word that you can use in your vocabulary. Listen to me. This will set you free right here. No. No. Can you? No. Hey, I need your... No. Can it? No. No. Maybe don't use the finger or... We can be polite about it. Look at, let's look at verse number five. It says, Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same way a fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and in it it was written, it is reported among the neighboring nations and Gashmu is saying that you and the Jews are planning to revolt and that is the reason you are rebuilding the wall. According to these reports, you are to be their king. It is also reported that you have appointed prophets to make a proclamation concerning you in Jerusalem saying, there is a king in Judah and now these things will, will be reported to the Persian king. So come now, let us consult together. I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done. You are inventing them in your own mind. For they, all, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen 
my hands. When Nehemiah's enemies saw that the private invitation to the meeting didn't work four times, they sent an open letter. This is a public announcement that everyone heard. Don't think of it like when you go to your mailbox and there's a letter there and it's open. Like it's still kind of private. Maybe one person read it. This is an open proclamation or declaration that was said in front of everybody. And the letter was full of lies and rumors and gossip about Nehemiah, his intentions and his character. Because if the enemy can't distract you with a private invitation, he'll pull you into the court of public opinion. Because we all know that perception is reality, but it's not always truth. Right? It might be that person's reality, but it might not be the truth of what really actually is. So do not allow the opinions of people to distract you from the work of God. See, the enemy portrayed that they wanted to help end the rumors of the planned rebellion. But again, it was just a distraction. Wisdom. We need wisdom when people begin telling us what people think about us. And when people begin telling us what people are saying about the work that we're doing, we need wisdom. It might seem as though they are trying to help us, but many, many times it's more hurtful than helpful to know what people are saying. See, Sanballat came to Nehemiah with words softer than oil, yet war was in his heart, and he hoped, like Judas, to kiss and kill. Do not allow distraction to kill the assignment of God on your life by kissing you with false friendship. We need wisdom. Family, we need wisdom. So Nehemiah responded to the court of public opinion in three ways. The first, he identified the lies. And this is what he says. What you are saying has not been done. You are inventing them in your own mind. See, when you identify the lie, then you can declare the truth in opposition to the lie. Number two, he understood the motivation. He said, then they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. This was their motivation. This was the goal. See, when you know what the goal is that the enemy has for you, then you can prevent it. If you have no idea what the enemy is doing, how do you prevent what the enemy is trying to accomplish? And then number three, he prayed for strength. He said, oh God, strengthen my hands. And when you know where your strength comes from, then you can lean into it. Family, don't ever forget where your strength comes from. It does not come from within. It comes from the Lord. Your strength comes from the Lord. How do I know? Because he only chooses the weak. That's, that's us. Every temptation meant to take us away from our assignment should only push us closer to it. Refuse to bow down in the court of public opinion with their rumors and their gossip. Do not get distracted from the assignment. Look at verse 10. He says, I went to the house of Shemaiah, who was confined at home, and he said, let us meet and take refuge together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, because they are coming to kill you, and they are coming to kill you at night. 
But I said, should a man like me flee in fear and hide? Should someone like me enter the temple for sanctuary to save his life? I will not go. Then I realized that God had not sent him, but spoke this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He was hired by his enemies. So Shemaiah was a trusted person, and we know that he was a trusted person because Nehemiah went to his house. And when you read through the book of Nehemiah, he's very careful about who he associates with and who he spends time with. So this was a trusted person. But this was bad counsel coming from a trusted person. He was trying to get Nehemiah to act out of fear. Hiding in fear for his life in the house of God would have brought ridicule on Nehemiah. It would have taken away from his leadership and his influence in the eyes of, of the people because he would have been seen as a coward. This would have been a fear-based decision. Hear me. L listen, listen to me. Any decision made in fear is a bad decision. We never make decisions based out of fear. Ever. Fear is not from the Lord. Unless we're talking fear of the Lord and then it's a different fear. That's reverence and awe. Not the same fear. So Nehemiah refused to overreact to the fear-driven counsel he was given. And instead, he chose to respond in the opposite spirit. The opposite spirit of fear is courage. Because, listen... Courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving in the opposite direction of fear. And he says, should a man like me run away? What a statement. He looks at this, at his, at his, this is his friend, his, his trusted counsel, his wise, his wise person. Should a man like me run away? No. Courage is required if we are going to complete the assignment of God on our life. Doing the right thing is courageous. Showing up to your assignment is courageous. Faithfulness to the call of God on your life is courageous. Not bowing down to gossip and public opinion is courageous. Obedience to God is courageous. Being a good friend is courageous. Being faithful is courageous. Fulfilling your assignment is courageous. Courage is required. Courage is required. Unfortunately, you will not fulfill the call, the destiny, the dream, the assignment of God for your life if you lack courage. Courage is required. And then Nehemiah has this sudden realization. He's talking to him. He says, should a man like me flee? And I realized God had not sent him. Verse 12. See, it's important for each of us to have people that we can go to and seek wise counsel. Because listen, life is not meant to be lived in a bubble all by ourselves, making our decision all by ourselves. Life is also not meant to be lived in an echo chamber where everybody just says the same thing that you say and has the same opinion that you have and sees things the exact same way that you see them. We need to have people who are wise counsel around us. But it's also so important. It is vital to life that we have discernment to weigh the counsel that we have been given. Nehemiah went to a, tr this was a trusted person, but the counsel he was given was not from God, but it was a hidden trap set by Nehemiah's enemies. Listen to those wise counsel people around you, but more importantly, make sure you're listening to God. 
pray and ask God to reveal the hidden traps that are set before you. We are prophetic people. We hear the voice of God. And we should expect God to reveal the plans of the enemy against us. Prophetic discernment is our advantage over plans against us. Because Jesus sees it all, Jesus knows it all, and he shares secrets with his friends. Are there any friends of Jesus here today? See, he shares secrets with his friends. Maybe if we're not hearing the plans against us, we're not spending enough alone time with our friend, quieting everything and the distractions just to be with him. Because he'll reveal those plans and keep us safe and he will keep us on assignment. Uh, let's turn to, go to the end of the chapter, verses 17, uh, 17 to 19. It says, um, and then we'll, we'll come back. So moreover in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of this great man. And his son had married the daughter of this, that great man. Also, they were speaking about Tobiah's good deeds in my presence and reporting to him what I said. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. There were prominent people in Nehemiah's life and in the city. In the midst of the work of rebuilding the wall, these prominent people were gossiping about Nehemiah with Nehemiah's enemies. They were talking about him. They were spreading false truths about how those who were against him, well, they're just good people. So they were talk about how good the enemies were, but they're, they're just, they're good people. Well, guys, don't you understand? They're, they're just really good people. Look at all the good things that they're doing. They were not good people. These were lies. These are the peoples that were sending letters and saying, hey, come out to the valley of, oh no, we want to end your life. But they're just really good people. They're just really good at lying. They're just really good at trying to distract you and trying to defeat you. They're just really good at trying to take your life from you. They were lies. They were trying to kill Nehemiah and they were trying to discourage the people from the assignment. Listen, beware. Beware of those that speak negatively about your assignments or those that speak nothing but good things about those people that oppose you and nothing but negative things about you and what you're doing. Beware. Here's the thing about gossip. So these letters are going back and forth. Here's the thing about gossip. We want to hear it. We're, we, let's be real talk. We want to hear it. I want to know. You want to know. Why? Proverbs 18.8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. This is like a blue rare filet mignon steak. It's a choice morsel. It's cooked on the grill and it's still cool on the inside and you cut through. You don't even need a knife. Just a fork. It melts like butter in your mouth. It's a choice morsel, and it goes down to the inmost parts. That's gossip. The words of a gossiper are enticing because they fee it feels like someone brought me in in place of confidence, and they're, they're sharing things with me, and now I, I, feel, I feel important. I feel in the know. I know what's going on behind closed doors. 
The New Testament Greek word for gossip, which what we're reading in the Old Testament is, was translated out of Hebrew. But the New Testament word for gossip, I just thought this was interesting. I'll share this. It means the magical murmuring of, chakes, uh, of snake charmers. Gossip in the New Testament, that word means the magical murmuring of snake charmers. It's easy to get sucked in and charmed by the gossip, but that doesn't make it right. Gossip is sin. It's destructive and it's distracting. So you got to ask the obvious question. How do you know if, if, if what someone is telling you is gossip? How do you know? Let me ask a few questions. Is what's being shared that person's story to share or, or are they sharing someone else's story? Are they telling details about private conversations or events? Are they telling, um, are, are the details not confirmed as being true? So you're only getting one side of the story. Is the person seeking help and wise counsel, or are they just sharing, talking, and venting? And has this person shared this information with other people, or just you? See, when, when I, when you, when we give space to gossip by listening, you give it your approval. You're going to sit down and have a conversation with someone and they're going to start gossiping and you don't shut it down, you might as well just sit there like this. It's okay to gossip. I'm good. Let's do this. Nehemiah refused to be distracted from the assignment of God because he knew the best strategy against the enemy was to complete the assignment. That's your best strategy against the enemy. Complete the assignment you were given. Go back, back, go back up in the chapter um, to verse 15. Uh, okay, it says, The wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul. In 52 days, when all our enemies heard about it and all the Gentile nations around us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. Listen, those that look at you and tell you that you cannot complete the assignment God has given you, they're right. You can't complete the assignment God has given you on your own. You need God. You need God's help to complete the assignment of God. If you can do it all by yourself, that's not God's assignment. God doesn't give you things that you can just do all by yourself. He gives you things that are impossible for you to do so that you can partner with him. And then when it's done, no one's looking at me and saying, wow, look at what Craig did. No, they're like, wow, you couldn't, there's no way you could have done that. That was all him. Those are the assignments that God gives us. So when you do things in your life, when you complete assignments that are clearly impossible for you to do apart from God, it has a real good way of silencing the critics in your life. The walls of Jerusalem had been in ruins for approximately 142 years. And Nehemiah rebuilt them in 52 days. Nehemiah wasn't a builder Nehemiah wasn't a construction worker. He was a cupbearer. Dude carried cups around for the king. He poured wine at the king's table and he tasted the king's wine to make sure that it wasn't poison. This is not an architectural genius. 
There's no way Nehemiah could have rebuilt those walls on his own. And in 52 days, that's a straight up miracle. That guy built the walls in 52 days? Yeah, but not without the help of God. This was a supernatural act. This was a miracle that took place through the hands of the people under Nehemiah's leadership. And at the completion of the assignment, all the enemies lost their confidence because they saw that God was at work here. So silence the enemy. Finish the assignment. Silence the enemy. Finish your assignment. Silence the enemy and finish your assignment. Do not get distracted from the assignment. People don't want to see you succeed. People, people are okay if you get by, just don't get by them. Now, I get it, that's a general statement. There are people that don't want to see us, Crosspoint as a family, they don't want to see us succeed. It's a true story. There are people that are looking, waiting, and watching for us to fail, for this church to close its doors, and for no longer to be here at 8809 La Mesa Boulevard, where it is sat. I don't know if you realize this. There are churches in San Diego that are older than Crosspoint, but there's not a church in San Diego that has sat on the same address for as long as we have. I'm not mistaken. I could be corrected if I'm wrong. But this church has been on this address longer than any other church has been at their address. There is something about this place. And there are people that are waiting and watching and hoping and praying that we will fail. We cannot get distracted from the assignment because it doesn't matter if they want to see us fail. It doesn't matter if people want to see you fail at your assignment. What does it matter what they want and what they say? It doesn't. You know why? Because God wants you to succeed. You have not been set up for failure. You have not been set up on and stood on the edge of a cliff so that Holy Spirit can push you off. You are not falling down to your death. God wants to see you succeed and God wants to see us succeed. And he is working with us. That's the important thing. He is working with us. It's more like we are working with him. It's his plan. We're not doing something and saying, hey God, can you come alongside and help us with what we're doing? We're seeing what he's doing and we're coming alongside and we're doing that. We don't want to ask God to bless what we're doing. We just want to do the things he's already blessing. So all we must do is not get distracted from what he has called us to. And when the assignment is done, God will get the glory. As Renee mentioned a couple weeks ago, for his glory. It's for his glory. It's not for mine. And it's not for yours. It's for his glory. It's all for him. Jesus said, I will build my church. This is his work. And our assignment is to partner with him. And it does not matter if we are skilled or qualified. It just matters if we show up and we refuse to be distracted. Because we cannot lose. You cannot lose. If you are obedient, if you are faithful, if you are courageous, 
and refuse to be distracted and you refuse to quit. You cannot lose. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you captivated our attention this morning. It was almost like this was prayed in the prayer room, but you arrested our attention this morning, and we were caught up with you. In our lives, let distractions fall to the wayside. Repeat this with me. I take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Father, we refuse, we, we, we pledge that we will not get distracted away from the assignment of God on our lives and that you have for us as a church family. We will show up we will be obedient. We will be faithful and courageous. And we refuse to be distracted and we refuse to quit. We welcome and recognize that we are empowered by you, Holy Spirit, to do the work, the assignment that God has given us. And so we rely not on our own strength and we rely not on our own wisdom because we are weak and we are not smart. But you are strong and you are wise. And so we lean into you. I don't know. Jesus, we need you. Just it, we need you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.